0: It's time for the Brotherly Love Podcast. Keeping it real on the Philly sports scene since
1: 2014. Listen, I love to fill out the Philadelphia Eagles, but we all know drafting has to spend their four times.
0: That's the opponent. Shake his hand and get to the damn locker room. Whether it's the fight in Phils, the Birds, the Fly Guys, the process, or a national headline, these two beauties are talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. Here's your host, Joe O'Donnell. I mean, the Eagles had that game, and I hate the Saints. Like, put them at the top of my list now. With the Cowboys, the Giants, the Redskins, the Vikings are up there. Screw them. The Patriots. I hate the Saints now. Hit John Nita.
1: Jimmy Butler was your best player. So this offseason, I don't care how many millions it takes.
0: Yo, yo, yo. What is good? Brotherly Love Podcast. Twitter. Happy Love Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, SoundCloud, iTunes, you know it, you love it. It's been a minute and a half at this point. Johnny Mita, how the hell are you?
1: Doing well, Joe, doing well. I want to, uh, you know, first and foremost, I'd like to uh, apologize to the listeners because um, I kind of put it out there on Facebook that we'd be doing a Facebook Live podcast, but Once again, our schedules had some snags in them, and we weren't able to bring that to you. So, we apologize for that, but we promise this will be a tremendous podcast this afternoon.
0: This is why you're such a good teammate and a team player. You took the bullet. I mean, I told you we were going to do one, and then I had my days all jacked up. Thought I was leaving the beach. Wasn't leaving the beach. And so we were unable to get together. Now, I will throw you under the bus for the fact that our in-person 9801 annual tradition fell short because of uh, what exactly, John, where was that equipment we had?
1: Well, well, I tried. Those of you who don't know, I tried putting the equipment to the side. I was moving, and I had to stick all of my furniture and my belongings in one of those PODs. And it turns out my brother was a little overzealous, so my brother Michael ended up putting our podcast equipment in the pod. So currently it is making its home right now in Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. So we had no chance of getting the equipment out of the pod. So yeah. we apologize for that yeah. as well.
0: Yeah, so two our strikes. We're down on the count Oh, two. two. Good thing Charlie Manuel is a hitting coach now. Maybe he can help us get out of it. We will get there. Talk about Uncle Chuck back in the fold. Uh, we'll talk a little birds preseason and some things going on in Eagles training camp. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about uh, one of the most beloved mascots in sports history, let alone Philadelphia. And an interesting story uh, that broke a couple weeks ago in Philadelphia on that. But again, Brotherly Love Podcast, SoundCloud and iTunes, Joe Donald, John Mita. Glad you could be with us. We're going to start with a story, though, that sort of broke last night. And uh, it was from Crossing Broad. Frank Cervelli, if you remember him, frequent flyers, uh, the beat writer for a long time for the Daily News that did that frequent flyers column on the Philadelphia Flyers. He's gone on to a national stage now. Um, He is with TSN up in Canada, the ESPN of Canada. And he was on one of the Crossing Broad podcasts and said that he was told by another player that Kevin Hayes, the Flyers' big offseason splash and signing after they traded for his rights to negotiate with him from the Winnipeg Jets, giving up, I think it was a fifth-round pick, so then really the onus was on management to get it done. He was told, Frank Cervelli was, by another NHL player that Kevin Hayes told said NHL player, who of course is going to remain anonymous, that the only reason he would sign with the Flyers is if they overpaid him. Now he got seven years, at $7 million a year. That's overpaying for a guy that scored 25 goals once in his career. I get it. So, Sir Valley's piece, or like on this podcast, sort of divulging this, had a lot of people in Philly and immediately up in arms last night into the morning. Like, what the heck? So, I got a couple of things on this, John Mita, if I may. First off, you, have, you had to overpay if you wanted Kevin Hayes. How much did they overpay by? Maybe a million dollars a year? That would be my guess. Maybe a million and a half? But you had to think he was going to have suitors out there. So my whole logic during the whole thing, when everybody freaked out when he first got 7 mil a year, is if you're not going to give it to him, somebody else is. That's the name of the game in free agency. Now, maybe again to that extent, maybe not. Maybe he would have gotten 6 on the open market. Maybe he would have gotten 5.5 or 5. But the Flyers had to you know, lock it up when they had the chance before July 1 hit and every other team... In the NHL, the other thirty teams had a chance to go after his services. Again, you trade you gave up an asset, albeit a you know a higher round draft pick, to acquire the rights to, to work this deal out with him. You had to get it done then. The Flyers needed a center, a number two center. Hayes fits the bill. He's young, he's on the upside. And remember, as I stated a couple podcasts ago, when the deal got done, his best season came with Elaine Vigneault when he was coaching the Rangers and Hayes played with the Rangers. So I didn't have a problem with the Flyers overpaying for him. What I have a problem with is is this story, because when I first heard it, when I first heard the soundbite from Sarah Valley on the podcast, uh, and of course, Crossing Broad tweeted it out last night, we respect what they've done, the Philly sports game, blogs and podcasts, et cetera, and, and Kyle Scott, you have to give him credit, he's built up sort of his own enterprise there, but Sarah Valley said it very matter-of-factly, he was in Boston, he was watching Game 7 at a bar or whatever, he talked to a player, the player says, oh, I just talked to Kevin Hayes, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but, You know, he was only gonna join the Flyers if they overpaid him, like sort of the jokes on Philly, ha ha ha. Now I'm gonna dispute this wholeheartedly, and instantly my reaction was like, What is this? Like what kind of what kind of news is this? Like, yes, they had to overpay for him. But it just upset me a little bit, and then immediately afterwards, all right, I I was on Twitter and I saw a reply to this tweet that had the soundbite and sort of the headline, like the clickbait, right? You read this. Flyers were only going to get them if they overpaid. This is what he told his good friend. You're going to click on it because you're like, well, I want to read about this. And you hear the sound bite, And you, you think it's not damning evidence on the Flyers, but certainly interesting. But Ryan Whitney, former NHLer, who's part of the Spit and Chicklets podcast, which is the biggest hockey podcast that I'm aware of, especially Barstool-wise, Barstool Sports, he jumped on and responded to this uh, tweet, did Ryan Whitney last night, uh, almost immediately saying, Interesting, considering Hazy, meaning Kevin Hayes, just told me he was fired up when he got traded to Philly, and that he watched Game 7 with three buddies in Dorchester. So that immediately shoots down Sarah Valley's report that Hayes was in Boston, obviously not Dorchester, close enough, and Brian Whitney saying he talked to Kevin Hayes, and this is not the case at all. And I would add to it that Kevin Hayes has spent time down the Jersey Shore, from my understanding. You know, he's a Boston guy, but he spent time down the beach. Like, I feel like he's an East Coast guy. I don't see why, why, what would be his motive at his age to just totally go for the cash and not care where he played? Like, all right, I guess I'll sign with Philly only if they overpay for me. I just feel like that's a very bad look. I think it was, I don't want to say erroneous, but maybe just a jump there that Sarah Valley shouldn't have taken. I respect Frank's work a lot. There's no reason for me to call him a liar. Uh, I've interviewed him. I've talked to him. Over the years, he's a great hockey guy. But I just don't get this. I don't get the need for this story. I don't get you know, why this had to be breaking news. And quite frankly, it got shot down so quickly by another reputable, reputable source on Twitter that I'm going to call BS here and feel like this is blown out of proportion.
1: Let's face it, man. You know, with all these other sports going on, you have the NFL preseason about to go down, uh, taking place now. I mean, I just think it's a story grab. I think it was one of those things where Somebody going to mention that? Like, yeah. And it could have been one of those jokes. Like, yeah, Hayes went to Flyers. He knew that was the only team that would overpay for him. And like you said before, with the way this, the, the salary cap is structured in the NHL, it's like you can't – it's not like different leagues where you're like, wow, they really like – and the NBA, the, the way it's set up, like there's so many contracts where you'd be like, whoa, they totally way overpaid for that guy. But when it comes to hockey, like I just don't really see that. I feel like, like you said, so so a team was only offering six million and they gave eight or, or seven million, or they were offering five and we gave seven. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. If it comes down true, listen, you know, I think you know, reputation-wise, I mean, I think the Flyers need to do a better job, you know, organizationally speaking, of kind of making this more of a free agent destination place to be. I feel like free agents over the years, I I would say like in the last five years, I don't think Philadelphia has been as attractive as some other places to to go and play hockey for. I mean, I really don't. Some of the years, like, oh, my God, I love the playing. So I love, whereas you look at, like, the Eagles now, like in the way their culture is set up with their organization and their their football team and the way their coaching staff handles things, I think now it's like an organization where, like, yeah, dude, of course I'm going to come to Philly. And we've even said it, you know, with the Sixers. Like, God darn it. Like, how come none of these free agents want to come play the Sixers? I mean, I don't understand. Like, great fan base, you know, top five media market, you know, Night City. Like, uh, well, what else can you offer? And, and, and they pay. But, yeah, I mean, I don't really give that much credence to it. I think it's just somebody trying to, you know, write a story over the summer for a sport that's, you know, Trying to make itself a little more popular than it is. So I, I want to give much credence into it. But, you know, that is a red flag if somebody just is here for the money. I mean, as fans, you know, everyone's going to react. Like, what do you mean? He's just here for the money. Does that mean he's just going to take this contract and he's not going to play 100%? I mean, that's the big worry, right? So a story like this comes down, you're like, it's red flag. The fans come up, we get all crazy. Like, what is it? It's so he's here for it a lot of times. let it, and, and many walks of life. I mean, let's look at major decisions, right? You go out and you buy a car today. What are you going to do if another dealer has the exact same car, the exact same specs you want, but they got a cheaper price? Are you really going to go to the place that has the friendlier salesman? Listen, I'm, I love humanity. I'm a big fan of that. I would like to think that. But bottom line, is, a lot of it comes down to price. So, yep. They're just going to go somewhere else. They got the lower price,
0: so. Yeah, but it's a it's a podcast. Because, it's a blurb from a podcast. It's a headline. Um, right. Obviously, yeah. you know, it becomes a story, but it can be shot down just as quickly or taken the other way, and then there's some gas on the fire, and I don't think that's going to be the case here, but I just wanted to get to it because, you know, I saw it late last night. You sent me the link today because Yahoo Sports had picked it up, and I just think it's, It's just one of those, yeah, clickbait type situations we're talking about now, so I guess it worked. But my point is, you know, again, and and you hit it, hit the nail on the head, taking it to other sports and looking at other walks of life. Like you're going to go either where you get the better deal or if you're getting paid, you're going to go sometimes where you can get more money. And again, the Flyers had a no going in. Here's our number two center. This is the guy we're targeting. We give up a pick to get his rights. And we do that so we don't have to get into a bidding war with other teams. One way to do that is make Kevin Hayes happy and sign him before July 1. And the way you do that is maybe you throw an extra million on the table than you think the open market's going to provide. Hayes obviously took the bait. Now, this is a young kid that is, has the potential to be a number 2 center for the next five, two, or the contract length, seven years. And if that's the case, five years from now, this deal is going to look great on paper if he produces. That's the big key. Produce. And you talk about the Flyers and Philadelphia being a destination for free agents. That tide is going to turn, John Mita, because of Carter Hart. Because of their this franchise's ability to now take the next step and be on the upswing. If Carter Hart pans out and the Flyers make the playoffs the next two years, you better believe two, three years from now... As they're looking for their next centerpiece, their next star of the organization, if it's not coming homegrown and from within, I think then you'll start to see the Flyers as more of that, uh, you know, that big market destination that we knew that they were for so many generations because of the brand and because of what they had built up in the past. So we'll see how it shakes out. But I think Kevin Hayes going to have a good year. Uh, it'd be very disappointing, obviously, if he underperforms, especially year one of a long term deal like this. But I won't put too much credence. And the fact that the only reason he was going to sign with Philly is if they were going to overpay for him, there's so much more that goes into it like how much how much more can an extra million dollars a year help you your your sanity if you don't like a place you know like the Flyers traded for his rights. He knew then they had that week or two-week period to negotiate with him exclusively. If he didn't want anything to do with Philadelphia, I don't care how much money they were going to pay him, he would have just tested the open market. Then he could have circled back to the Flyers if necessary. He obviously has enough vested interest on the East Coast, the market, the things that Philadelphia offers to say, you know what? I'm going to take this $7 million because I don't think I'm going to get anything more anywhere else and I'm comfortable here. So that's my take on the situation. Let's jump to the Phil's. Because Charlie Manuel's back in the fold. And if you remember I don't know, one, two podcasts ago, I said Charlie Manuel's floating around the ballpark. He's a special advisor. He's helping out at spring training. He's at the Futures League game. Maybe kick the tires on old Chuck. Well, what do you know? John Malley, is that how you pronounce it? The Phillies hitting coach gets gassed. They bring in Charlie Manuel. 11 runs last night, a win over the Cubs. Certainly we don't expect that to keep up. But the one thing that I always found interesting about Charlie Manuel's approach, Johnny Meta, is when players that played for Manuel talked about him. They always talked about, specifically, Ryan Howard retirement night recently. He would always talk about how Manuel, if you go 0 for 4 he just puts his hand on your shoulder after the game and says, that's baseball, and you go get him the next day. And that type of approach is a bit old school, but I think guys like that. And we'll see if the Phillies can turn it around offensively and be more consistent now with Charlie Manuel. maybe just being a different voice and being a bit more possibly even respected. I'll tell you what, though, Gabe Kapler, he can't be that comfortable with it. I don't care what he says in a press conference. There were Charlie chants last night at the ballpark when they were racking up the runs. <laughs> I mean,
1: you got to love Philadelphia. Ah, uh, you've got to love it. Yeah, I mean, I heard an interview yesterday with Larry Anderson, and they asked him that question, and he was like, listen, you better not even come to the ballpark if you don't think we're going to hear the let's go Charlie chance, or Charlie chance. But um, the Phillies are right in the thick of the playoff race, the wild card race, that is. I mean, division, race are 20 games above 500. I think we could kiss that one goodbye um, with about, what, 43, 42 games to play. Um, I love this move. I mean, obviously, a lot of people are going to look at this move and think it's kind of like a strict PR move because the fans, you know, are losing some gas you know, with the way this team has been playing. But I think the one thing about Charlie Manuel is the one, there's like one thing, if there's one skill that this guy is just really good at is he knows how to teach it. And he has a different approach than, than all the analytics. I mean, apparently from what I understand, just by watching the game last night, a lot of times Gabe and I guess John Maly's philosophy was that, all right, what we're going to do is we're going to take a ton of pitches. That way, we can take a lot of pitches, we can walk, and then by the fourth or fifth inning, we can bring in the bullpen. Well, you know, okay, that's an understandable philosophy, and I, I, I get some of that. The problem with that is, okay, fine. What if that other team has a fantastic bullpen, and they can bring guys in to mow you down? So, I mean, are you really accomplishing anything? I think the one thing that Charlie's going to do for all these hitters, and as you look at the team, like, a lot of these guys, like, I guess it's like 10 of the players, it's like their career low batting average right now. I think he's just going to simplify things, right? Just simplify the approach a little bit. And I think these guys are so tied into the analytical data, and I'm not saying there's not a place for analytics in baseball. Surely numbers help kind of, but at the same time, a lot of it comes down to feel, right? And, and how you got there and, and what your strengths are as a hitter, and I think for him, the type of person he is, he's definitely going to be respected, you can see the respect last night, but Bryce Harper either gave Charlie a glass of water or a glass of Powerade after he hit his second home run, but it's just that respect level, and if, if you hear him talk, and I've heard him do a couple interviews, he kind of sat in the studio last week on 97.5, and you know, what do you think from these hitters, and you know, he, he just, I think he can make a couple adjustments and get these guys back. Now, let's see. How do we know what type of difference? Is this going to make a profound difference? Are they going to go on a 12- to 15-game winning streak? No, because their pitching is just still their terrible pitching. But could he make a difference where they could get hot, possibly? A couple of the batters in the order. And the, basically the three, four, five areas get really hot. And we score a lot of runs. It's possible. But all in all, I like to move. Me and you, the two of us, we're not fans of Kapler. We don't know if this is the writing on the wall. It's kind of like when the Dallas Cowboys hired Jason Garrett to be the offensive coordinator and they're paying him more money than the head coach, which is kind of a little weird. Then he ends up taking over for Wade Phillips. I'm not saying Charlie's going to take over, but, and, and and let's talk about it, right? This is not a Clintac or Andy McPhail decision. This came from the hierarchy the patriarch of the Phillies. This was a John Middleton move, written all over it. Just this guy. I'll tell you what he does, Joe, and, and, and to his credit, I love it. But as a fan, you got to love the fact that when the fans speak, man, this owner's kind of listening. Yeah, it's all awesome. and it's awesome. And and let me give an example, right? A lot of these radio stations, I think 97.5 did a poll, or or ninety-four, yeah, whatever. Oh, Machado so, and Harper. They, Machado and Harper, yeah. right? So the fans were calling for Machado or for Harper. And because they wanted Harper more than Machado, he really weighed that in the decision on who to target in the offseason, which is pretty damn cool. So if he's hearing everybody going, what's up with the hitting coach?" You knew somebody had to go, right? They were just, I mean, their offensive numbers were so minuscule, so terrible since the All-Star break. Something had to happen. The pitching coach had to get fired the hitting coach because nobody's hitting. But, um, you know, I'm excited about the move. I don't know how much of a difference it'll make. I do think there will be a difference. But how are we going to quantify that? I don't think we'll know. But the crazy thing is, you know, if you want to lay out scenarios, so now let's say they make the playoffs. But Charlie Mayne was the hitting coach. Does then Gabe Tapper save his job? Or do they have to go to a complete tailspin and then it gets yanked?
0: Or That's a great question, they, they, and, and listen, or, uh, or. Manuel said, I'm not going to return. Like, this is it. It's it's a 40-game thing. We'll see if that right. changes, too. Well,
1: right. Then, if you have a good mix, like, maybe Dave just needs some of that old-school mentality and old baseball guy to kind of level him off, kind of keep him down, you know?
0: Well, listen, if Charlie Manuel can help at all with the damn lineup, that would be great because if Reese Hoskins bats leadoff again, I might, I might go postal. Like, oh, well, how about, how, about, how, how about this lineup?
1: When basically we bat a pitcher.
0: Oh, eighth, yeah.
1: and the 80 spot, okay? That should never happen. Talk about How's overthinking,
0: and, you know? Oh, my
1: God. Listen, if he was if the pitcher has, like, a 250 batting average, or if he was a better hitter than the guy, but if he's not a better hitter than who you're going to put in at the angle hole, if they need that There is yep. no if, and, about Like that's just the way
0: it is. So it's listen, it, bat, it, it was it was about a week ago, just days before this announcement was made, and I was like, I don't even know who the hell the hitting coach is. So I Googled Philly's hitting coach, and John Malley's name comes up, and I click on him. You know, he never played one game, not one game in the show, not one at bat in the majors. He had two years of minor league baseball. A total of 115 games. And that's it. And look, I'm not telling you you've got to be the best of your sport to be a coach. Sometimes the role players make the best managers and coaches and those sorts of things. But John Malley's coaching track record wasn't very long-winded in spots either. I think the Phillies were his fourth team. And he wasn't with any of the previous three teams more than two seasons. So that tells me something. And I don't know if they did enough homework on Kepler's staff at the time, but a guy that never played in the majors and a guy that had been with three or four teams and never lasted very long, and it wasn't because it was a promotion. It's not like he had two great years as a hitting coach with the Astros and then boom, he's a manager somewhere. Like this guy was a hitting coach for two years with the Cubs, hitting coach two, and then that's been it. There has to be some concern there about the hiring process off the jump, in my opinion. Uh, the one other thing I want to add on this is that uh, your boy Bryce Harper is starting to win me over. You know, right now, we are nine dingers away from Harper for you winning the bet. I believe we had it 32 of the over-under. He's at 24. You know, a week ago, I was looking in a good spot. I'm wondering now, I might be paying up. But the more concerning thing for me is that Reese Hoskins looks like a lost puppy dog. His average now has dipped to 243. I think he's got about three or four hits in his last 35 or 40 at-bats. You do the math. It's not pretty. He looks lost, and I just feel like the guy needs a day off. So he struggled the other night, goes 0 for 4 with four Ks, and I'm thinking, all right, they're going to sit him. They have to sit him. And then he bats lead off. I'm like, what? Now, granted, he let off the game with a hit, but I don't think he had another hit last night. So I, I just don't understand the rationale. Like, the kid's struggling. Sit him down. Give him two days. Maybe that'll help. Maybe it won't. But running him out there night after night ain't getting it done. And on top of that, batting him leadoff just seems completely irrational, asinine, like now we're just throwing darts at the board. So Hoskins has got to get it going. Maybe Manuel can help him. It's a huge concern right now. This team is not going to get in the playoffs if Reese Hoskins is dragging him down like a dead weight. And I never thought I'd say it because I thought this guy, you know, was going to be the man this year. He's got good RBI and home run numbers. He walks a ton. Still, still seeing a ton of pitches, but he's just not connecting, you know, consistently enough on the baseball.
1: And, and that's a great point. I think that is the one guy in the entire Phillies lineup. If they, if Charlie can find a way to get at least one guy back on track, that'll make a huge difference down this, you know, this last stretch of games. I think Reese is the guy. And they are right. I mean, because they need him to be more to do be more of an impact, and because. He's also struggled a lot. Like he's had a good average, like early, but then he's really struggled when guys have been in scoring position.
0: Yeah. He's trying to pull everything. And they talked about on the broadcast the other night, Rollins was on and everything he's trying to pull. And they're playing the shift for him to pull. Like just stay back on the baseball, make some contact to center field and 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 that opens up everything. That's what hitters always talk about is when you get pull happy, you get in trouble. You start to stay back on the baseball and try and spray it the other way or just take a little shot up the middle. Now, all of a sudden, everything changes. And I don't know why that's such a difficult concept for these guys to understand, but I guess it's easier said than done. So we'll see what happens there with Hoskins and the Phils. Um, real quick, yeah.
1: Real quick, Joe, what are your thoughts? Um, I know we kind of discussed this, but let's, let's do a little quick Philly Fanatic. What are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, so so August 2nd, the news broke that the Phillies filed a suit in uh, a federal court in New York over a dispute about the copyright of the Fanatic. Uh, Fanatic originally created back in 1978, and the Phillies claim at the time when they purchased the rights that something in the contract said they get the Philly Fanatic in quotes forever. Now Harrison Erickson Incorporated, the company. Um, that originally created the character with like, the licensing agreement and, and all that stuff, is reported to have sent, the letter, uh, sent a letter to the Phillies last summer saying, hey, we can get out of this deal in June of 2020. If you don't have a new deal, you lose the Fanatic. If I had to handicap the situation, there's no way in hell the Fanatic goes away, whether that means the Phillies have to get off their wallet to keep them or this suit pans out in their favor, so be it. But I don't see any, re- first of all, the suit's going to drag on, I'd imagine, and they're just going to buy themselves time. But the Philly fanatic, in my opinion, ain't going anywhere. You?
1: No, there's just no way. I mean, you know, that you know, company friend, he's going to become a free agent. Like, where else are you going to put this guy? I mean, come on now. Yeah. He's our man's God. And, you know, if we got to spend stupid money like John Middleton to yeah. him, you know, the kids, man, all the children would be devastated. Yeah there is no more Philly fanatic. The person I work with, Christine, she was like, I come here for the fanatic. I love the fanatic. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's an icon.
0: That's what I was going to say. Let's be honest. There's certain, there's games and there's times in bad baseball games at the Vet at the at Citizens Bank, where like literally the fanatic's the best part of the game. So <laughs> I just don't see how that's, that's going to change. I, and I know it's 2019 and some teams maybe are getting away from mascots and then you look, the Flyers just added one for the first time ever a year ago. Um, so I don't see the fanatic going anywhere. All right, bud, let's uh, let's jump to the birds here. Training camp, preseason underway, preseason game number two is actually tonight in Jacksonville. Not going to try and break down a, a preseason game, but Nate Sudfeld got hurt in the opening preseason game. There's been a lot of talk in camp about the weapons for Carson Wentz. Jace, uh, J.J. Arsega whiteside that big receiver they got looks to be impressive. Just sort of sum up what you've seen from camp so far, and your expectations for the rest of the preseason for the birds.
1: Well, I mean, now it, you know you're into the second game, so you definitely want to see some improvement, and you also want to see the third and fourth string quarterbacks. Right now, I mean, somebody's got to separate themselves between. Cody Kessler and Kling Thorson last week together, they had a combined 19 yards. So you'd love to see some improvement there, and I don't think it'll be that difficult. Um, Just, you know, depth-wise, I I think, like, you want to see if they can, you know, more. I mean, one of the positions that I thought, like, in our secondary, I think we're really strong in the secondary, but one one of the guys that I think that kind of showed out to me uh, was the safety that they just recently signed within, I don't know, about two and a half, two and a half weeks, two, two and a half weeks, uh, Jonathan Cyprin. He was all over the football field, and, and that's the type of backup that we need at that position now that, you know, Malcolm Jenkins is older, and we still have Rodney McLeod coming off his injury. So, and you you, know, you want to see more from Sidney Jones. You know who are going to be the two starting cornerbacks that are going to separate themselves on this football team. You still have Ronald Darby; he's nursing an ACL. They kind of paid him starter money, so does he automatically check in? You know, Jalen Mills is still not ready to get on the football field, so it looks like Sidney Jones and Rasul Douglas are going to have the crack at the uh, at the first team reps. And will they will they you know give those spots up come the start of the regular season? So that's an interesting battle to see. You know, running back-wise, you know, who are they going to keep in the room? That's another one. And and wide receiver-wise, you know, who is going to be? You, I think you got a couple of wide receivers locked in stone, right? You have your Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, Nelson Aguilar, J.J. white whiteside because he was such a high draft. So that fifth receiver spot. Is it going to be Matt Collins because he's just such a contributor on special teams, however, he can't stay on the football field? Or is it going to be some other guy that comes out of the woodwork and makes some play? So there's definitely some positions to look at. And I'd like to see a little more consistency from our place kicker. You know, Ken Jake Kelly hit a field goal within 40 yards. Um, yeah, He seems to hit everything that's 45 and more. But when you get to those chip shots, and, and let's keep in mind, now that they've moved the extra point back, now the answer points on a, you know, a, a, a chip shot like it was before. So like to see a little of that. And, you know, I'd like to see Jim Schwartz mix up his defense. So I know the guy's not a believer in blitzing the quarterback. But, again, I'm going to say this. It's going to be a, a broken record throughout the season, people. So all you listeners, get ready. It's the fact that, okay, if the front four is not getting home, okay, then you might have to blitz. You want to see – Linebacking depth is kind of a a position of weakness on the defense. I think offensively, you're set. You know, we're going to have a great team. And you want to see some more growth from the offensive lineman, Jordan Maliata. There's a lot of guys on this offensive lineman. They're going to get a lot of minutes tonight. They're going to be backups. And can they separate themselves? So there's a lot to look at. I know it's just the the second three season game. Like, oh, yeah, I can't wait to tune in, but. And also defensive ends. You know, they were expecting big things. I mean, Lane Johnson was talking about Josh Sweat. Like this is gonna be a breakout year. So there's some things to look at. What are you gonna be looking for, Joe?
0: I just want them to come out as healthy as possible. Um, I think when That's you when best you best lose best. a backup quarterback in in the preseason opener and then you start to look at guys in camp getting dinged up. Jimmy Kemsky wrote a piece last week. He he totaled up twenty one Eagles, I think that are either on the pup list or dealing with some type of injury from last season and still lingering and rehabbing, or this year already. Now, some of those guys will be ready week one. Some might not be. Some haven't taken any 11-on-11 reps in in camp yet. So the health thing for me is the biggest thing. Just get out of these games as, as clean as possible. Get ready for week one. I hope that Wentz doesn't put too much pressure on himself when the regular season rolls around spread the ball around, use your weapons, protect the damn quarterback, I think this team's going to be fine. Defensively will be the big question mark, but I think when you're playing with the lead and you have an explosive offense, it allows your defense to give up some points or some yards or make a mistake here or there. And the offense can cover up for it. And when you're playing with the lead, you know what the other team's going to be doing. They've got to throw the damn football. And the strength of the Eagles' defense is the defensive line and the depth in the secondary. So I think they're going to be just fine when it's all said and done. And as we get closer to the regular season, we'll do sort of a record. Uh, prediction episode. We'll we'll kind of break down the birds a lot more, but I just want to see this team come out healthy through the next couple of preseason games, shut it down that fourth week, and get ready for week one against the Skins. I do want to ask you, John Mita, about your thoughts on what I thought was just a bunch of garbage that the Eagles broadcasted that open practice on Comcast Sportsnet, and they had Barcam with his blue rim gra- glasses and Barrett Brooks and whoever the other jabronis were, I think at least Didinger was on there. Somebody with some knowledge. That was the biggest joke for a, pro- uh, a practice broadcast. I, did they? Sh- they showed like no actual drills, no actual plays. It was like some tight shots of some one on ones and some guys stretching and running around. And the rest of the time was just fluff, just talking heads. I don't remember actually seeing much from that practice, the actual practice at all. It was like a two-hour broadcast where they barely showed anything. Like, are the Eagles that secretive that they cut it down to one open practice and then they broadcast the thing just to throw you a bone and then in the broadcast give you absolutely nothing? I swear to Christ, they didn't mention Jordan Howard's name once. I don't even know if they talked about Miles Sanders or the offense other than Deshaun Jackson and Carson Wentz. And the tight ends, like there, were, there wasn't a whole lot of talk about the offense to begin with, let alone the running backs. And I don't understand why that was. Like, I would have liked to have seen Jordan Howard in pads doing something. I don't even think they showed a clip of him. Like, he was the biggest signing or trade that they had in the offseason for a running back, you know, to add to the offense. And I didn't even talk about him. Now, the one thing they showed, and I got a text from you about 15 minutes later. DJacks burn Rasul Douglas. They had a tight shot of some one on ones, receiver on D back. And Jackson burns Douglas. And I guarantee you, all of Eagles' Twitter Nation was like, F- 15 touchdowns, 1,500 yards for DJacks this year, book it. Like, that was the one thing that got everybody a little excited was a one on one between those two. Other than that, they didn't give you much. I thought it was just garbage production and a garbage, like, you know, we're throwing you a bone, but really, if you're paying any attention, it's just a it's just a train wreck.
1: First of all, I think there was a huge failure of communication between Comcast Sportsnet and the Philadelphia Eagles organization. I mean, they didn't put anything on film. It was like the ball would be in the air, and then they would zoom in on the one-on-one battle between the receiver and the d bag right. for the football. And it was, I agree. I mean, it's you know, and you were excited, like, oh, man, maybe I can watch a little bit of this on TV. Yeah. And I've seen, I've seen other ones broadcast, like Green Day, I saw one like a couple of years ago. They just gave the freedom. More to, But, you know, with today, you know, being so paranoid, you don't want to put things on film, man. But the Eagles kept it so tight-lipped, like, no, you can't show that. You can't put that on film. You can't put that. You can't take this. You can't videotape that. Yeah, so I think they told the camera to guys
0: that, what they could shoot, what they couldn't shoot, and the right. production truck knew what they could show and couldn't show, and that was the end of it. But they never, the they're not going to tell you that. They're going to be like, oh, we're broadcasting practice. Let's yeah. get some talking heads. We'll show right. them a ton. We'll have a bunch of fluff. We'll show clips. They were showing clips that weren't even live. Well, yeah.
1: And then they were
0: showing Wentz like, working, for, like stretching and working action. out while yeah. practice was going on.
1: Yeah, and Brandon Graham and Derek Gunn had an interview that they they tried yeah, to broadcast. Like, give me a break. Yeah, and I'm am with, with you. Just don't just don't broadcast. Right. Don't sell everyone on. Hey, you're going to watch an open practice on TV when you're not going to see anything. Yeah.
0: So, so I, I think, it was, it. I, I,
1: think it. Was, I think it was bait on both sides. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Comcast or the Heritage knowing. With with what they had as far as their limitation goes, with what could be filmed and what couldn't be, so yeah, I
0: had yeah. a uh, I just had a That's big issue with sucked. I had a big issue with that, as you can tell. I it agree. Just, it, it, it pissed yeah. me off. So, um, all right, Johnny, made any final thoughts? Anything else you want to get to?
1: No, no, no. I just um, you know got to see Bill Burr, my favorite comedian. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. I
0: wanted you to do a Bill Burr show review.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, as always, man, this, this guy is just I think the best comedian in the world just examples that he pulls from real-life situations that many of us have all encountered and been in. And he's just, you know, the hecklers, I think he does a great job. You know, some people heckle. I hate those idiots at the show that, you know, want to have something to say to the comedian and kind of, you know, these guys are going to work up there. Have a little goddamn respect, you know. Don't shout out things to kind of throw off his routine, you know. Would you want him to come in your workplace and start screaming at you? Like, oh, talk about this, talk about this. Like, no, get the hell out of my office. I threw you out the door. But anyway, all in all, it was a uh, great show. And, um uh, so we we'll love it. You know, he's going to have another comedy special. that will be being released. I'm sure on Netflix very shortly. And I saw him back in February with your brother-in-law and, uh, Keith and, uh, and it was a completely different bit. So I hope he combines, you know, both shows into one special. It'll be another masterpiece of his. And, uh, Quick spread the love for all the Philadelphia policemen yesterday and, you know, responding to that horrific shooting and, you know, basically just, you know, protecting the lives of all of us. And I know sometimes, you know, sometimes we have encounters with officers that we don't particularly care for or like, but let's just keep in mind, you know, they're doing a tough job that none of us probably want to do. So that's pretty much it on this end, buddy. I'm looking forward to the Eagles football season getting closer, my friend.
0: I love it. Well said on the on the 5-0 and the Philly police and that horrible shootout uh, yesterday in the city of brotherly love. All right. Apologize for the delay between podcasts. We're going to get back at it more regular in the future. Go Birds. Go Phils. Charlie, Man- uh, Charlie Manuel for president. I think that's a good way to leave things. Manuel in 2020. For John Mita, Joe O'Donnell. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Spread the love. The brotherly love podcast. Until next time, we'll see listening to the brotherly love podcast on
1: soundcloud.com.